You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another special episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. And Lucian, I don't know how much my heart can take these April Fool's jokes of Spelljammer. I just can't. I can't do it anymore. I'm like... Wizards of the Coast, the, like I, I am going to be hurt. My, my so cruel, my poor son. They are mean. I don't know why they're doing it to us. Maybe it's because it's, this will be the last year they're going to do it. it be the last year they're going to do like, it. Like introduce something that we know is a joke, like yeah, the unicorn goblin race that's going to appear in the next on Earth. Yeah. Like something. Why Spelljammer? And why yeah, use could, the word confirmed? They could lose me. <laughs> If they don't do it in the next two years, we don't get a Spelljammer 5e. They just they just have trolled us this whole time and are never going to do it. Me and Wizards of the Coast are going to have some issues. We're going to have words. <laughs> We're going to have some words, wizards. <laughs> One of these days. Yeah, I'm glad our show's not on April Fool's Day because then it would just be packed full of... Um, I You know, those used to be fun, but boy, do some people I, go overboard at times. And now I'm kind of over the whole you know funness of it i'm wondering if i'm getting old because i'm just an old grumpy man i am getting an old grumpy man uh so i did a couple of april fool's jokes that i thought were fun but now like on the youtube channel but like looking in hindsight i was like you know that was a lot of work for content that nobody cared about (laughs) so maybe maybe not and it was and it wasn't well received every single one was kind of like uh, okay that's funny jordan you're replacing your channel with cat videos that's cool like i don't know um and now i i saw that uh ted did a video nerd immersion mm-hmm. and he was like you know this is this is like an april fool's joke but is it and he was kind of talking about it but he specifically said like i don't like april fools i'm not gonna lie to you you won't find it on this channel and i'm like yeah that's kind of how I feel nowadays. Uh, Linus Media Group, Linus Tech Tips, the YouTube oh, channel. Yeah. Um, they had some new video for April Fools, and I, like a schmuck, clicked on it, and I was like watching it. <laughs> and they have a habit of like doing these really uh, awkward segues into their uh, sponsorships. So it's like, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you all about this like amazing product right after this word from our sponsor. And then they talk about the sponsor. Well, the whole joke that they did in their video was they had 12 of those Oh my god! and they were fake sponsors, but I was like skipping forward and I couldn't figure <laughs> out what was happening. Cause I always skip forward. I don't want to watch it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. anyway, and it, in the end, I didn't watch the whole video, and I'm like, but that's what the YouTube algorithm wants you to do is watch the whole video. But I didn't find it like fascinating and funny enough to watch. <laughs> I just remember like the funny, funny stuff back in uh, the 2007s when yeah, World of Warcraft, was a time I like it. Blizzard came out with oh my god, World Blizzards. of Warcraft ones, which were hilarious, and it was like yeah. we're gonna do uh, a rock star or uh, what's the Guitar Hero version. <laughs> of world of warcraft that you play with the guitar hero guitar and i was like that's so funny but it was just like a funny little article um they're they're becoming less funny now so (laughs) yeah i think we're over it yeah so welcome to grumpy grumpy saturday mornings (laughs) so for those of you who don't know they tease spelljammer we don't it's probably i mean it was an april fool's joke it just said spelljammer confirmed uh but it doesn't actually mean that spelljammer won't be coming yeah, and the hamster. And we know that the hamster, Boo the, ha- Boo hamster. the miniature giant space hamster, um, is on one of the Hydro covers for an upcoming mm-hmm. book. We don't know what the book is. It's not Radiant Citadel. We know that because we saw the alternate Because we cover. saw the cover, yeah. Um, so that is a very, like, spell jammery kind of thing. Uh, Boo yeah. and uh, Minsk are Forgotten Realms characters, so that's not the new campaign setting that they keep hinting at. So, I don't know. Well, I think it's a good joke if it's, haha, it's April Fool's, but the joke is, no, it's actually real, and it wasn't an April Fool's. That would be funny. That's So it's like the, yeah, so that I will accept, that I hope is what we're getting. We've all been kind of convinced we would see it this year because of all the things they've hinted at, but... um, 
I don't know. I'm ready. I'm definitely ready for the summer to hit. I'm ready for all the announcements. I'm ready for a bunch of books that they should be announcing the rest of this year. We're already four months in, and we know there's at least two or three, maybe four books still coming this year that we that we don't know about. So, what? Could April first, they announced their entire lineup for the next two years or something, and you're That'd like, wait, what? Great. <laughs> um, but speaking of book, yeah, the next one is Mul- Monsters of the Multiverse, which will be May seventeenth. May. Yeah. Um, and that is technically out, but you got to buy uh three book set and i don't know many people that have uh also that book for being out we i haven't really heard a lot of stuff about it i bet it's because it's not on D beyond yet now that i think about it like yeah. people have it but they're just kind of like like they're not the ones playing with the new stuff and showing it off on the youtube because of D mm-hmm. beyond so uh we gotta wait till may um but it literally is just a rehash of monsters and then the playable races have been tweaked yeah, and I think mostly what we're getting out of it that's interesting is the the stat block changes that are going to probably inform us on how things are going to be moving forward with the way they right. you know categorize monsters. It definitely feels like this book would be a shift in this is how we did monsters before and maybe now they have a new design philosophy on how do we do monsters now. Yeah. So I'm interested to see a, a true brand new monster book which you know who knows we might get one this year next year. Maybe they'll do another one before, you know, they they do whatever they're going to do with the version. Um, it'll be interesting to see their design philosophies moving forward, you know, to see what they've done. And are the characters like, because me and you, we often talk about how we love all these third party monster books that are out there because most of those make their creatures more lethal, give them more abilities. They seem to be more fun. They seem to have you know, a, a cooler hook to them or something ah. where you're like, oh, I could really throw this at my players and they, they'll they'll never know what's coming. Everything we've gotten D&D mostly till now has been stuff that D&D players could expect, but it's the 5e edition of it, right? We've gotten all the, the previous versions, monsters updated to 5e for the most part. We've gotten some new ones here or there, but kind of built in the old school philosophy to match what the old kind of monsters were, you know? And now I'm wondering if they really kind of unleash their creativity and say, okay, let's start doing stuff we've never seen. Let's start doing stuff that um, is like these third-party groups are doing. I think that'd be fun too. Cause those are the books that we, I mean, when we talk about like the Cobalt Press ones, those are, those are really good books. Just I, I use Cobalt Press bank. monsters more than monster yeah. manual monsters. Cause, yeah. cause of the lethality and stuff. You're right. Um, we were, we were talking on the discord and I, I didn't mention this, but like somebody was asking about a, is there a, uh, uh, like a troll vampire or is there like a a vampire version of this kind of a thing? And I was like, I don't think there is, um, but it really (laughs) makes me go back to, uh, the venture maidens with Mm -hmm. their book that hasn't come out yet. They were talking a lot about monster templates so you could be like, here's a vampire template that I can put on other monsters. And I I Very would love cool. to see more of that. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't think that is a good sell book practices because they want to use those templates internally to then create a bunch of different monsters Content for me books. to buy. Yeah. But I, I love that idea of like, here is a troll template. Now I'm going to have like a rock troll or I'm going to have this. I don't know. I kind of like that idea or upping it, but how about a black pudding vampire? Yeah. Oh my God. That would be really cool. (laughs) (laughs) The next book that comes out is journey through the radiant Citadel, which we know is an anthology uh, book that's coming out on June 21st. Um, And then I threw in our notes here. Nobody else can see our notes, but me and Lucian, but uh, the quotes from back in the day where they were announcing Mm-hmm. D&D 5.5 or D&D 6 edition or what I have come to understand is known is D&D evolutions or something like that like they're Ooh, kind of where have you heard this well there's I've a couple of that. people and websites that are like the next evolution of D&D and that is translated into mm-hmm. D&D evolutions because uh the 5e playtest was D&D next and I think yeah. wizards wanted us to call D&D 5e D&D next but we refused, and collectively everyone said 5e. Because we're old grognards. <laughs> now uh, it is 
commonly referred to as fifth edition and even wizards calls it fifth edition but yeah but the two major classic D settings coming to 5e in 2022 um so i still don't think this year we're going to get quote. Atasha's, a quote yeah. Just read. Yeah, yeah i don't think we're going to get atasha's book because that came out in 2020 and i think it's not going to be till like 23 or 24 till we see something like that of like expand like a collection of all of the different um new ways to play character wise mm-hmm. uh but i was i was looking at older campaign settings and i was like what could they bring back and a little one that i didn't really think about until now because we always talk about dark sun we always talk about mm-hmm. uh all of those crin spell dragon lance spell jammer um there was what there was a campaign setting called arcane age that was in the forgotten realms but hundreds of years in the past during uh before Mistra fell during the ne- the realm of the Netheril with the flying pyramid ziggurat things that they had. Um, and that introduced like 10th and 11th level spells and things like that. So these people, like if you go back in time before Mistra kind of altered magic forever, you could do that. And uh, there, this is a very, you have to go a very specific path in Icewind Dale, but there is a way to travel back in time in that uh, module that they came out with, that um, that setting. Not setting, but that uh, that hmm. book. Yeah, module. Um, and so I wonder if this is, if that if that could be one of these, these classic settings. I don't think this is, like, super beloved, but it does fit their Forgotten Realms. Like, we're only going to kind of publish Forgotten Realms stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I was I was gonna run that past you. Arcane Age. Yeah, it's not one I'm would, familiar would, with. Rather than Spelljammer moving forward, we can go in the past, and then wizards can take Dritz and put him wherever they want because it doesn't matter. You can like go mess around before he was even born. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, I wonder um, because we've talked about the the bigger ones that we can think of. There definitely was lots of other smaller ones that had popped up here or there. And they have a lot to choose from. So really, does it come down to, I wonder who makes the choice? Like, who is the, the person I think that it's a dartboard. It? And they're blind. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a, a spinning wheel and it just lands on it. Do you think a Chris Perkins has a favorite old, you know, setting? Does, does um, Jeremy Crawford have a favorite old setting and they have some influence yeah. nowadays? Um, or is it, you know, Winnegar is the one that's making the decisions now? Or I, w- I just wonder. Arcane, it sounds cool. I think the cool thing that you could do if you went way, way in the past of Forgotten Realms to the point that it's almost unrecognizable to the Forgotten Realms we know now, you still could use the maps and stuff. Exactly. Without the things on them because maybe the lands have stayed mostly the same. And but... that is true. Like in that, yeah. in that campaign setting, the, cool. the, the land structure was mostly the same. You know, you still have the Anorak yeah. desert. You still have this. It's just the Anorak desert isn't a desert yet. And, yeah. and maybe this forest is inhabited by something else. And there's a great empire of elves that you're at war with, yeah. you know, or something. So. Or the idea of being around and doing stuff when the Netheril are in power and at, at their peak in your adventures during that time, you know, what does that look like? Yeah. What, what kind of adventures would that kind of be floating cities and, you know, magical batteries that are happening, um, which one of those magical batteries showed up again in Icewind Dale. So yeah, so maybe, maybe wonder cool. if they were going to hint at that. So, but there, yeah. there are other speculations, uh, kind of like Modrons make an appearance a lot in a lot of these five E adventures mm-hmm. that we've seen. Um, little little snippets it's like there's a weird march of them here or you find like a, a rogue modron doing like what are you doing march here um makes me wonder if that's a planescape hint we ran know? into a so. modron inside uh dungeon of the mad mage exactly and interact with it and and had cool stuff happen when we did stuff and yeah it was a cool part of the whole adventure um, so so yeah, I'm. I would. I would be excited for that. I would be excited for any of the older ones. I think what was another one like Birthright and um, Mistara or something like that, or there was a Mist. Yeah, the Hollow World. Yeah. Um, I forget what it's called. So you know, seeing some of those Mistara, older yeah, modules yeah. and just different worlds, I'm. I'm excited to see them. I love Forgotten Realms. 
Um, I think I still, I'm a big Greyhawk fan too. So seeing new Greyhawk, if somehow they were going to bring back Greyhawk in a big, bad way, I think I would be a fan of that. Not that everybody's, you know, everybody has their own. Dark Sun for me would be, I think I would love a book, but I don't know if I would want a lot of books in Dark Sun. I think it'd be enough to have maybe one. I think one. all of these will be one book. It'll be like yeah. Theros. And then this is how I play in Theros. This is how I play yeah. in Ravnica. I think it'll be in that line. Uh, but I wonder if they'll change up their adventures, you know, like this radiant Citadel is a big step of not doing a forgotten realms adventure. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm all for totally new too. I'm all, I would like adventures in other places, I guess. Like I, I would be very curious for them Mm -hmm. to do a Ravnica adventure because then I might know how to actually run a Ravnica game, you know? So. (laughs) I would love, and maybe this is selfish just for for my friend Jordan, I would love for them to do a new campaign setting that has so much material and so much books that they put out in it that it could sustain, like, I don't know, a a YouTube channel that does lore videos on stuff. You know, something like that. Something where we get 50 books, new setting. I don't, ever, I don't even do understand what you're talking about. So. Lore videos forever. <laughs> be fun. Be fun. That's what I want. I want more stuff. I want more content. Um, bring so back my that was book. my that was what I was thinking about today. Yeah. Um, I was kind of just we we always write our notes like either a couple <laughs> days in advance or the morning of. Yeah. And uh, while I was typing this out, I was like, "What? Let's just look up all of the old campaign settings." Um, and a lot of them, like Conan. Uh, Lankmar, uh, what's another one that's might be tied to books or no, that's what I mean. Diablo 2, like a lot of those are tied to uh properties that Wizards of the Coast doesn't own and they license to make a campaign setting. Uh, so it's kind of some of those are just like off the table because they're like, well, they're not going to release Lankmar, they want to really pump up their own material. That's what Wizards have always done, and so. I feel like they're primed in the spot to create a brand new campaign world that's never been created. And it takes off the chains of making what came before work in today's society and gameplay mentality and allows them then to build a world that matches the player base at the moment. And I think if they don't do that, I think if they just keep only looking to the past. Now, I still want Spelljammer. I still want these other books, these one-off books. But I feel like this is their opportunity to really push forward and move to the new thing, you know, and not just be locked down to this is what goblins are because this is what goblins have been in Forgotten Realms forever. This is what halflings are. This is what elves are. This is what the drow are. Like we can, you can redo everything if you come up with your own brand new campaign world, and why not at this point? So that you're not constantly having those Twitter battles, and you're not constantly adding to some, you know, dumpster fire of a conversation about this is how it is because oh, that's how we used to play it, so we want to keep it that way. Versus well, we want to do it differently now, and blah blah. Yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. So why not just you know new, and then you don't have those those same discussions anymore. So I wonder if they'll take that route or if they'll just keep pecking back at the old stuff that they have. I feel like they, they love to go back to things they've already done and and do a recreate or a refresh and not as much innovated into new stuff. So I hope they kind of change that, that philosophy a little bit, but I did notice some, I was perusing around the internet last night because I was thinking about the show and I stumbled across um, Exandria was they were doing the live show um, on the Critical Role channel. So they must not have did. And I think it was on last night, too. So they must not have done a Thursday night. Or I'm, I'm sorry. Thursday and Friday night is where I saw them. They must not have done a Thursday night Critical Role. So then maybe they're on break at the moment and they're letting um, Abria do another run of the Exandria storyline. Because I saw... Um, some of the returning cast. I think there was a new member there mm-hmm. um, and they were starting to run some of those stories again. So I don't know if we're in a, maybe some of the fans of the show. know. I didn't, I didn't catch how long, if this was a mini series that they're going to do for a break, but it was weird that it was on Thursday and Friday back to back. So I don't know what was going on there. I might have to dig into it a little more and talk about it next show to see, is this the other show that they're going to run? Cause they've talked about running more than one show. So are they going to then have a Thursday night show that's, you know, the 
uh, oh, I think they came up with a name for the the team now too. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna it. jump Dang in. It. I I specifically <laughs> remember that they said that they were gonna be on a like three episodes with Matt and then maybe like another another side oh, episode. God. And I don't know if that's what this is, uh, but it shouldn't be unusual. Like Matt has basically no. said, like I need a break, and so yeah. Um, yeah. And that first one with Abria was a longer one, just to give him a longer break. I think before season yeah. three started. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, well, and I wonder, but I also have heard I think they want to have more than one live show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like they're they're going to. They, they have yes. a studio that they yes. can run a whole nother group of people, a whole nother. Yes, they they want to make more shows because that's how you're going to branch out. So I wonder if this is one of them or is this just the break one? Give Matt time to to get the storyline set, refresh, give him a break. That I don't know. Because he's in the game, so it's not like he's not playing. He's a a character in the game. Um, But it's interesting. So I kind of like that. And Robbie was there. So Robbie had just left a couple weeks ago, Critical Role, and, and he was playing his character again in this Exandria something. I didn't catch the the quick title, but I'll look it up a little bit more. I just happened to jump across it um, last night when I was perusing. And then the other thing that I saw this week, which I thought was a really good video if you haven't watched yet, was the Sage Advice video. Did you get a chance to watch that? I did watch that, yeah. It was really good. I I like that Jeremy basically said, like, uh, he, he, I think he said this before, but he reemphasized that I should not be um the the end all be all to win an argument like you shouldn't be mm-hmm. like at your table and be like well i think it should be like this well sage advice and i've done it i've used this before to like end an argument where you're like jeremy crawford jeremy said, crawford said that Twitter. we have to do it this way uh mm-hmm. because you're right it should be like the dm is like well i think that's dumb i kind of want to run it this way and that's his philosophy as well and so yeah yeah i love the way as i recall he had said it was it bums me out when people try to use me as a weapon in their arguments. Yeah. And I thought that was such a strong statement to say. Yeah, I was like, yeah. He's like, here's how we interpret it. But you at your table interpret it the way your game needs and wants to play. And you can use our interpretation if that's what is fun for you. But definitely don't use what we're saying as a weapon to win arguments against other people. And I just thought that is such a... I had, that's the way we should have been saying this this whole time is, you know, that I just love that phrase. It just makes sense to me now. I was like, yeah, don't use that to try to win an argument. <laughs> Why? We, we do have well, a player. And I've, we- I've had it the other way where players yeah. have come to me with like, Jeremy Crawford said this, and I, I so I want to be able to do this now in the game. And I'm like, yeah. uh, let's, <laughs> let's think about it. So then I have to like reinterpret his, you know, ruling mm-hmm. to really understand what my player is trying to do um mm-hmm. and then i wonder why i'm not just playing osr where everything's very simple and i should just be doing that but no <laughs> <laughs> well he also said that i thought was interesting too was this i he he leaned more into the group at the table decides the rules and he used this term very carefully with the dm's guidance to help formulate the rules that are going to be used at the table. So it was this idea of pushing more about everybody gets to decide what rules are fun for us. If we want, um, we want to roll 46 to make our characters and drop one. Great. That's what's fun at our table. We're going to do that. Or maybe at our table, we're going to roll straight 3d6 straight down the line. And that's, that's super fun for our table. That's what we're going to do. Right. Or how initiatives handled we're going to, or how grappling is handled or something like that. This is, it's fun for us. So that's how we're going to do it. And I liked how he had just mentioned that and reinforced that everybody should be agreeing to what's fun for our game, what's fun for us to play. And as a dungeon master, we're guiding that discussion. And yes, we may have some influence on it, but it's not just up to us. And it's not just what we say goes it's about a consensus. It's about, a, hey, what makes fun a fun campaign for all of us? So if that means we're going to track rations in this campaign, because that means it's going to be fun and we want to have a, a grittier campaign where, you know, like you said, a more OSR thing where these kinds of things matter and spell components matter this time. We're going to try that in our campaign because we think it'll be more fun. Then 
that's what we've agreed to and that's what we're going to run with. So I, I kind of like that. And I think putting that out there more and more for people to hear that more and more, it alleviates the dungeon master's pressure to say, this is my game. These are my rules. And I have to yes or no, like you said, somebody bringing some rule or some, Hey, I saw this on GM's guild. Can I use it? Well, and I, kind of thing. yeah, uh, Zris here makes a good point where they say she said or they say rules by committee are not always it doesn't always work. Sure. <laughs> um and and I would ultimately say like you have to be like hey this is my table I want to rule it like this. Uh but what I what I exactly what I said earlier is I don't want a player running up and being like well you have to let me do this because of Jeremy Crawford said so, right. you know. And that I that is what I think Jeremy doesn't want. You know, like he yeah. doesn't want that to be like, oh, I'm causing conflict rather than like people listening to each other. Uh, but you're right. If you're at a table and they're just like, well, we roll 3d6 down the line and you're like, I don't like that. I want to be able to choose my things. Well, then you don't play in that game. And then mm-hmm. that dungeon master realizes, oh, you know, you might have a dungeon master who's really excited about a drow game and he builds it up. And then when nobody wants to play it, he gets the hint that it is not for that group. But there are <laughs> other people that might want to play it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's the idea of don't don't push a rule that's not fun for the table that you're playing at. I mean, recognize that if you've I've done it with rules that I put in my Ravnik, you know, Ravner game where I thought it would be a cool idea to do, but maybe in in play it wasn't fun. So, don't force it or don't keep it. Just, you know, have keep looking at your rules to make sure they're fun for the table in the game that you're trying to play. And, and you have the right people that want to play that and find the people that want to play that campaign. So, yeah, I think that's good. Um, this was, this was big. I'm going to steal your Paizo thunder. Yeah. Um, go for it. I so, was going to bring it up. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. A couple of people were thinking this was an April fool's joke. It is not. This mm-hmm. actually came out earlier than, um, uh, than April fools. It came out in March. But uh, Paizo is going to convert one of their Pathfinder adventure paths into 5e rules. One of their popular ones. Um, one of their pop, yeah, and it's Abomination Vaults. I don't know much about this, but um, mm-hmm. it's one of their most popular campaigns, and they're like, we're going to turn it into 5e. Now, I, I guess I, I could go into a whole reason why this is good or bad or all the other things, but what is your initial gut reaction with this? Where you're like, I'm Paizo, I'm Wizards of the Coast, like prime uh, competitor, and now I'm going to make content for 5e. So my brain, you just said, what's, what was my gut reaction when I saw it? So my brain didn't go to I'm company or I'm sales or I'm any of that. My gut went to oh, this is awesome. I bet they make really cool adventures. And if I don't necessarily want to learn Pathfinder first edition to go back and play that adventure, and I don't really want to spend all the time converting it myself, holy crap, I can have this adventure and I could play it for my group as a 5e adventure. And I bet it's really good because a lot of people really like this. So that's where I went first. And then my brain finally started to go, well, wait a minute. Does this mean they're going to convert a lot of their stuff to 5e? Does does that make sense? Or should they be trying to get, you know, should there be somebody out there converting 5e adventures to Pathfinder 2? You know, like, could we get a mm-hmm. Storm King's Thunder done in, in Pathfinder 2 rules? What would that look like? So is there anybody that's going to do that kind of thing versus everybody's trying to do a 5e thing. So my first gut reaction was <clears throat> I was excited because I want to see what it is, what it looks like. And I probably buy it and look at it and maybe even run it or play it. And then I started thinking about all the other consequences or things too. Well, so I'm, I'm guessing your gut reaction was you were looking at the business route first. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, maybe, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. I'll just say it. Like, I, I think this is um, awesome because like you said, if it's a really cool um, – well, this goes back to something that I've said kind of before, but I don't remember if it was here or somewhere else, so – where you should play the system you want to play. Like, if yeah. I want to play BX D&D, I should just go and play BX D&D. And so this is one of those things where it's like, wow, Paizo writes – fantastic adventures like these adventure paths are so cool but like i don't want to learn pathfinder so i guess i just won't play them now it's like oh i i do want to play these i don't necessarily want to learn uh 
Pathfinder, but oh, they're making it for 5e. I'll go pick it up. So I'll go pick it up. And honestly, that's uh, some people were back and forth, but like what it's going to do is allow Paizo to sell more books because mm-hmm. the 5e market is the largest. It's big. And then a lot of that money can go back into making awesome Pathfinder content. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Pathfinder people are like, no, that's cool. Like, they're not – the fear is, are they abandoning Pathfinder? And that is not what is happening no, at all. They're going like, Pathfinder's yeah. done in there, and I, I bet the conversion's really easy. Like, they have to look at this and just be like, it's we could just, similar, like, yeah. a new coat of paint, and then uh, – and we yeah, could yeah. sell it. Like, why not? Um Goodman Games does this. Monty Cook did this with Tolis. They made a 5e version and they and made their other one. And we bought the book and, and it's good. Like, And it makes me want to do maybe look at more of Monty Cook's stuff so it does exactly. lead me back. Like, but yeah. it's a good 5e book. There's some really good stuff in that book. You've been reading it, right? You you had read the... Um, did you get through the whole PDF? Because it was like 500 pages. Oh, no, no, no. It's like a monster. I, I read uh, very little of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Very little. But my point was is that he made yeah. it also for Cypher System. Because yes. it is like, here's this really cool adventure slash world. Play in the system you want to play in. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking back to Arcane of the Ancients with Monty Cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's like people like me. So when Goodman Games had a Kickstarter for... Uh, it was a Crypt of the Devil Lich. And I backed it. I got hardcover books of the Dudger Crawl Classics version of Crypt of the Devil Lich. And then I also bought a 5e version of Crypt of the Devil Lich. Because I was really curious. Like, they're they're making it for both. I wanted to see, like, what makes it different from one game to the other, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. is is it truly easier in 5e, probably is, than it would be in Dudger Crawl Classics? Uh... But again, that's like we built this really cool dungeon, played in the system you want to play it in. Like, why not? You know? And if anything, like, we've been talking a lot about Pathfinder 2, and I bet an adventure like this, you would read through it, and then you get that curious, like, I wonder how this would play in Pathfinder 2. And all of a sudden, you're buying more Paizo books and you're buying more of this. Uh, I think it's a great intro. It's It's an easier intro to Pathfinder than one would think. Because it's like, okay, I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy Pathfinder 2, the PHB. I don't yeah, understand anything, good. but I understand this 5e adventure, and now I'm like, wow, Paizo makes really cool stuff. This Pathfinder stuff's really interesting. And so. Paizo makes a lot of adventures. They're putting out venture books almost monthly, way more than Wizards of the Coast is. So if you stumble upon Paizo and you like their adventure design and, and the adventures they put together, and they're gonna start putting them in the system you like to play. You're like win-win yeah. all around. But, man, did you just have a really good idea, which we're always coming up with on this show. <laughs> could you imagine running? You have both of those. So you could run it, Goodman Games, right? And you could run it as 5e with a different group. And then you could really compare, did the game play differently because the rules were different? It's the same adventure. It's the same dungeon. It's the same... Thing. I love that idea, but different? there are you're going to have two different parties are going to have yeah. a very different. <laughs> well, that's even with the true. same system, we'll have a very different experience. So yeah. I, I, but I, I see where you're going, and I agree. Yeah. I want to do that as well, but I don't know if it would be as. I wonder if there's a way to know so. because you're playing this system, it makes the game feel grittier, and it does this and that. So that leads them to make these kinds of decisions, and that made this game feel this way. And then with 5e, they were like superheroes and they did this and that made this game feel this way. And they were a lot less this or that, or they were a lot more of this. I just wonder of those comparisons, almost like with Danimal, my dungeon master from Australia. I always like to say that he's ran two groups through Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And he's really able to compare how two different groups with two different kind of makeups makes the adventure really different, even though it's the same adventure. And we're going through the same rooms, the same levels, the same creatures are there but it's a totally different campaign because it's two different groups. But you're right. That might skew your analysis because <laughs> your groups are different. Maybe that's the reason they're different, but I still think there's something there of it'd be interesting to know what the system does to making an adventure run and how it informs how the adventure runs. Well, and thinking right. back to not cipher system, but when Numenera first came out, mm-hmm. it was a system that was very tied to, 
the setting. But the thing is, is about Pathfinder 2 and or two Pathfinder 2nd edition and D&D 5e, they're becoming these generic kind of fantasy settings. And so, it, I don't know, it makes a lot of sense for me that Paizo would be doing this, you know? Yeah. Uh, Kobold Press is already pumping out a lot of 5e stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And I always I always said, like, Kobold Press could be the next one, or MCDM, where they're like, we're going to make our own game, you know? Yep. Uh, Critical Role could do the same thing. But, yeah. So I, I think it's a great idea. I think it's really cool. Um, a, a, you know, Zris and chat comments on Pathfinder Adventures all the time, saying they're, like, the, the best things written. So uh, right. it would... It, if it gets more people interested in playing games, do it, you know? And yeah, I and if it makes the company about. more money, then they can yeah. put more and of that money into making Pathfinder 2E better. I am definitely buying it. I am definitely buying. I've not bought all of the Wizards of the Coast. Sorry for the dogs woof, woof. But uh, I am getting Journey Through the Radiant Citadel. That's one I want. And I definitely want this, this Pathfinder or this Paizo one. Woof, woof. My wolf, uh, my yeah. So, and it was kind of like uh, Monty Cook did uh, Plane Breaker too, which has a, a kind of a well. I don't know if that has a Numenera kind of vibe to it or not, but we'll see when that comes out. But, um, I think it's cool. Definitely not uh, April Fool's joke. So, good job, Paizo, for being cool. We'll see where it goes. Um, you're still waiting for your dog to stop barking, I'm assuming. Okay, so I was on a DM roundtable on Thursday night, um, and this video will come out, boy, I don't know, but we, we recorded it, um, I'm gonna get his name wrong, Indo Destructo Boy, the YouTuber. That seems right. (laughs) Um, he was on it, uh, a bunch of other people. Uh, one of them has a podcast that I didn't know about, so I felt really bad. Uh, but <laughs> our moderator asked us a question that I didn't even really put together until that that evening. Is that if we're getting a new version of D anD D in twenty twenty four, why don't we have a playtest for it right now? Like, and going back to D anD D next. That playtest started in 2012, and it was an open public playtest because they wanted to make the best game ever. Um, and P- the D&D 5e PHB came out in August of 2014. So they had two years of this open playtest to kind of like see uh, the game and the mechanics and stuff. So I wanted to bring this up to you. I have a theory. Why don't we see it? Why isn't there a pl- playtest? Go ahead. Here's my theory. Tinfoil hat. We had D&D Next was not only a test of the system, but it was also a marketing reset of the bad and negative reaction they were having to 4E. So they needed a way to kind of clear the palette and test the game to show people that things are changing and I think that informed a longer, more um, transparent testing method because they felt like they were losing their community at that point. That's my theory. They do not believe today, if you ask them, that they're losing any community. In fact, they believe they have the biggest, strongest tabletop role-playing game community ever. And it's still growing. It's still peaking. So I don't know if they feel like they need to have the same type of testing method and marketing method that they had when they were making the 4E to 5E transition. Okay. Are you buying it or are you just like, you're crazy? You're 10 foot. No, that is a, that is I I disagree. Perfect. Here's here's what I thought. Um, Okay. We think of play test as uh, we got to hash out those mechanics. Mm-hmm. And I, we, you got to understand that 4E was done in a bubble. Um, and 4E was very balanced for the most part. Uh, but when 5E came out, I think Wizards of the Coast, they didn't want to know, like, does, do these mechanics work? They wanted to understand how people play RPGs. 
because they thought they knew when they made 4e they were like this is how people play we're gonna make 4e it's gonna blow everybody out of the water and it didn't so i don't think it was a press thing i think it was literally Mm -hmm. like we have to understand like what what do people use role-playing games for because we were wrong um and they're sitting on this brand of D, this like you know name that is tabletop role-playing games uh and so that now moving forward to this you're right like it's so popular i don't think they have to end with the uh with streaming uh, and then even shows like this where we're talking about mechanics and we're talking about, like, I want to do this because I think it's cool. Uh, I don't know if Wizards of the Coast is, like, scouring YouTube, watching all these things, or watching a lot of actual plays or listening to podcasts. But it wouldn't surprise me if they put a couple of interns in charge. And it's like, you need to digest all of this into, like, a one-page sheet that I can read and understand how people play D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I don't think they need to because they're not worried about is this balanced. I don't think that that ever was what Dungeons and Dragons or the the D and D team. I don't think they were ever worried with the five E playtest of saying like, well, that's not really balanced. They want to know like, will players use this? Like, is it fun for players? Slash, uh. Uh, yeah, basically, like, is this fun? Like, does doing this invoke joy? You know, we'll do a uh, that Jeremy Netflix Crawford. lady that I can't remember her name. Oh. Does this spark joy? Um, so that was my answer to the to the question, and I wanted to hear what you had to say. I thought that was kind of interesting. Interesting. Um, so, and that's why I don't piece. think we'll see one, even though we're getting this hypothetical new new version in twenty twenty four. So, yeah. The one piece I would disagree with you on in, the, in what you said, but I like where you were going with I it. Can now mute that I've heard right it now. I could okay. do that right now. I agree with Matt Coville. So if you want to disagree with me, you're disagreeing with him. Not necessarily. No. So that's let's make that connection. Okay. <laughs> he believes 4E was a great game. And he believes that it, it still is a good game. It just it was the game that the community wasn't ready for yet. And you've even said it's a good game. No, it is. And it's incredibly well balanced, but it so wasn't if it's a good how, game. How could it be bad? How it wasn't it how people wrong? wanted to play D and D. If right. they had released that as not Dungeons and Dragons, I think it would have done about the same, if not better. But it was the fact that it, it didn't feel like D and D. And I think they were losing all of their people to Pathfinder and I think the Wizards team had to be like, we. how do people play Dungeons & Dragons? Like, we were wrong. We made a very tactical board game. Like, it's fun. Like, people like it. Uh, there's a somewhat resurgence of it now, but not really. But you also haven't played 4E, so I, I would I, like that's to have why you... That's I can't say. Yeah, I, don't I would like know. to... I would like to I walk play you through it. a game of 4E, and then you could be yeah. like, wow, this is fun, but I don't think it feels like D&D is yeah. what I think you might say. Do you think if 4E is is pretended that didn't happen, but if 4E was going to be released now after 5E, would it still fall in flames? Or do you think it would do better coming after 5E than it did coming after 3.5? And falling in flames is is big. Like, I don't think it... it fell as much well, as you think it does right and i don't think so either but i think there was a, a a vocal community part which made it sound like it was a bigger failure than it yes. probably was just like they do with video games just like they do with you know there, there's always the hyperbole of it, it's almost like you go to reddit or something and it's like this you know no the, the so people who complain the most are the loudest like, and so yeah. yeah so i agree with what you're saying too but they obviously I think I would do the course. same. To answer your question, I think yeah. if 4E was released after 5E, I think it would have the exact same impact. And I think a lot of people would still be playing 5E. So. Interesting. So even though it's a better balanced game Because you don't I've want heard, balance. Like, well, we that's the thing. Do. Well, yeah. But I think overall, if it's, if it's super balanced, it means there's a rule in the book. And we were just talking about sage advice where you have to go to the book. You have to flip through it just like magic, the gathering. And we have to look at this and analyze it and say, no, per the rules, you can't do this. You have to do this. Whereas in a tabletop role-playing game, I want to be like, no, I just want this, you know? So that's a good epiphany. Like 4E was very combative against the, 
dungeon master because it is like, well, no, I get plus two if I if I stand here. Very and because structured. I'm on a box, I get another plus one. And so, yeah. Very structured. Gotcha. All right. That, that's a better, that's the best way I've heard you explain it so far to me because we often have talked about 4E and, and what you thought about it and, and different things. That's the first time that point you made really kind of sunk in for me and what you were saying there. That's interesting. It's only took three, four years. So yeah, good job. You got your point across. 200 episodes. <laughs> so was it, you were bad at getting your point across or was it? I oh no, you just didn't understand. It, it's kidding. on you. Yeah. yeah, yeah I am me. articulate. <laughs> um, so that, that's kind of a, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. And whenever that video comes out, I'll, I'll uh, share it and stuff. Cause yeah. uh, we did have a really good top topic of conversation and a lot of people were, we're thinking that Wizards was being secret on purpose and things like that. And I'm like, no, I think they just don't need to understand how people play anymore. I think they have yeah. a very good They've grasp of how yeah. the community uses role-playing games. Whereas yeah. before, I don't think they had an idea about how it yeah, I, I think I agree with that so. completely, yeah, too. Yep. There was a, a Coville video out th- this week. Did you see that one? I did. That was pretty good, too, because he was talking about what I think we just kind of had a discussion about was it's hard to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and comparing it and building for it and creating for it or balancing for it, like you just kept saying there, when every group is different and every type of there's lots of different types of players. And there's if you could have tactical players versus the drama geek players, or you might have, you know, um, just even how many you have, six players versus two players is very different. But he was mentioning that lots of times when we all argue on Twitter, Reddit, wherever, about D&D and how it should be or is, we're always in the mindset of how we play it, how big is our group, what type of group do we play with, and that's why that makes sense to us, and that's why we argue our point as if it's the right one, when it doesn't really, it's apples and oranges when you compare it to the group that only has two people in it, and they're... we you just know, did it like, here. You guys can go yeah. back in, in the podcast and, or the video and watch it. <laughs> and I said something like 5e, I'm paraphrasing, but like 5e yeah. doesn't want these like codified rules. And I saw your face and you're like, don't we though? What? And I was like, well, <laughs> you do and your table does, but mine doesn't yeah, where yeah. we don't like have maps and we're just talking, rules. having a conversation. They don't want to know that they're flanking an enemy. They don't, mm-hmm. they just want to be like, do I have a clear shot? You know, yeah, and so that's a very easy way to put it because having like miniatures and tabletop tactics versus just a conversation, very different methods of play. But that's the cool thing about D and D is it supports both. You know, mm-hmm. so whereas Four E only supported that tactical miniature play, it was there designed around that because they wanted to sell miniatures and maps as well as Ooh. other stuff. So Jordan throwing shots at Four E still. So I thought it was interesting how Kova had mentioned yeah. that. He, I think what he was trying to do with that video, and I'm just, this is my impression, is he was trying to say, hey, guys, it's hard for you to make a role-playing game because you have people and the the players and the way they play and the styles they play and the numbers that they play are so varied. Could you imagine if you were the designer trying to design a game that was going to fit all of those together at one time? So maybe... Keep that in mind when you're having all your arguments and all your other things. Like, realize how tough it would be that you're building a game that has to work for two people, has to work for eight people, might work for the tactical yeah. gamers, might work for the the real role player, actory, we're all in drama club together players, and any mix that's in between both of those. Because maybe those are the extremes, right? Those are the, the you know, and there's everything in there. So I just thought that was a really cool idea of him saying... Hey, you know, keep that in mind when you're saying, I think this is how a spell should be used, or this is, you know, oh, I can't believe they let us do this with our proficiency bonus four times. That's way overpowered. Well, maybe in my game it is, but maybe in somebody else's game it's it's a non-factor, right? You know, so it's like, I just thought it was an interesting video. He always puts yeah. out really good videos that make you think deeper, one layer deeper than maybe you were thinking before. And to help you reevaluate maybe some of your opinions. I always like to go back and think about, yeah, that's a good, I I understand what you're saying there now. And I want to keep that in mind when I'm discussing UA articles coming up, or I'm discussing rules in these books now and what's good for my group and versus, 
you know, some of the other ways people play. So I really liked it. I recommend going out and checking it out. And I believe Arcadia, their latest edition was out a, a week or two ago. So they're still putting out really good stuff in Arcadia magazine that they're doing. So if you haven't gotten that, definitely jump on it. There's some real good stuff coming from yeah, the they're, creators. Yeah, man. Those are really oh, cool. MCM. I haven't bought anything since the Beast Heart, but boy, I want to play that Beast Heart so bad. I think that'll yeah. be a lot of fun. Um, games, have you played any? Jordan, we need to have a talk. Let's do it. <laughs> we might have hit Intervention. The dreaded, the dreaded, you miss enough games that the campaign might be over. Oh no. You know, the group falls apart. The group has different things going on. The schedules have changed. Can't quite make it together. So we've missed three games in a row. Um, We did have a player last week say they have to bow out. Um, Didn't give a ton of detail. So it was just like, I've got to go. Now we had a pretty big group. We were running five of us anyways so we still could be did at four we could bring another player in we could just you know lots of things could still happen at this point but this is also i think that quintessential spot that a lot of dungeon masters run into that we've run into in our past of the campaign's going pretty good a couple of things happen little you know little miss here a little miss there you're like well okay yeah We'll we'll reshoot in a month. How about that? And yeah, then like, we haven't played oh, in a month. well, I forgot about that, so I actually scheduled other things because I thought, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, and then you're like, now we're yeah. now we're never gonna play, and your poor character is just sitting in the shadow fell. Yep. <laughs> so I'm worried we we may have hit a a roadblock that breaks the group, breaks this campaign. Ah, that'll be not sad. that I won't keep playing or find another game to be in or just start my own because that's typically what we ended up yeah. doing, where your campaign falls apart. Your dungeon master no longer is going to run the game. So, hey, now it's time for me to learn the rules and run my own game. And that's how the whole thing started, you know, five, six years ago anyways. I was always trying to find a game to be in. And it was like, you know what? I'm just going to be a dungeon master and I'll always have a game I can be in, right? So that's... So we might be at that point again. I am really feeling like I want to run a game again. Cool. Um, Over and over and over. It's just when you're playing one and you've got kind of a set schedule, you kind of get into it. So we'll see what's happening. Um, so we'll see. I have not played in three weeks. So I have been playing tiny Tina's, uh, wonderlands, which is super fun. D and D related game. Borderlands D and D game, right? Borderlands, very acting. So it's very tongue in cheek style game. So if you like the tongue in cheek, you like the memes, you like the, the breaking the fourth wall. You like the bring in modern um, pop culture references to your D and D fantasy game. This is a perfect thing for you. If you like that comedy in your, in your, in your game, if you're looking for grim dark, maybe not quite that, but um, it's super fun. And you, I'm playing a spell weaver that has a couple of different spell combinations and you can do a lot of cool things with that, that I think is super fun. Um, and then <laughs> what's your cat? cat, your cat stealing the show. Over yeah. There. Um, and then I, I'm going to say it. This has been my thing. Sorry, not sorry to Jordan, who absolutely hates them. But I still am enjoying Raid Shadow Legends for character design and the way they build abilities that these new characters can do and the way they look and the feel of the art. Just, I love it. I love looking at all the stuff they're doing. I love the more, the, they bring out more stuff every single month. And they have more character designs and more character creations. And they're all fantasy D&D kind of cool, cool characters. And I I love them. I love just looking at them so much. Even though, yes, they try to get your money from you in microtransaction hell as much as they can. So, But you can can avoid that if you have a good, strong will. Um, I'm playing free-to-play. Um, but that's what I've been doing. So I've been keeping that going, rewatching some shows on TV. Watched, we talked about a little bit of Moon Knight, which just started my favorite comic book character. All. What about Jordan? Because I heard you were trying to run an Invisible Sun game. Yeah. And I've been waiting to hear about this for a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, so sadly, one of my players got really sick. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on. They were just like, I can't do it. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so I'm going to meet with him 
separately and kind of catch him up. And then we're going to have like an official start date this Wednesday, which will be good. But uh, this is going to be a short campaign. It was the only way I could get these guys because it was like, we're all busy. And I'm like, I understand. So this is going to be like a three episode kind of a thing. Um, But we uh, talked about our characters. So Lex is going to play a Vance which is kind of a, uh, a traditional D&D wizard where you store spells in your brains kind of a thing. Um, and I gave them some more PDFs of the different spells that they're going to learn. Uh, and then we talked about our characters a little bit. And LB is going to play a uh, Goetic, which is a wizard that summons things. Um, and the whole mechanic around that is like you summon a creature and based on its complexity, you then have to have a negotiation with it and trick it in some way or not trick it, but you have to convince it to do the thing you want it to do. So if you summon an angel and you want the angel to do something violent, it's actually harder to make that angel do it because it's kind of a good creature. If you summon a devil and you want the devil to do something without, you know, and so there's these different paths of, mm-hmm. of like, what's the best way of doing it? It's, it's kind of creative. Again, the game is weird. So that's, that's the whole thing. Like you have, you have Lex who's like, well, I'm going to be a wizard. And he does, he just kind of casts fireballs and stuff. And then you'll have LB being like, I have to talk to this guy to see if he can come out and fight. I don't know. So, we talked a little bit about that. We're going to get into um, game mechanics and how conflict resolution works and stuff. But my last player is Indoor Adventure, and he's going to... Oh, he doesn't know what he's going to play yet, but that's the one who is sick, so I'm going to talk to him separately. Oh, I and was then, thinking it was Ted for some reason. No, no. Ted yeah, sick? not Ted. Oh, it's Indoor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think this is a game that Ted would enjoy. This is all, not honestly. a Ted game. <laughs> um but we should have him on the he show. He might. Ask him. We'll we'll see at some point. Like I I'd be curious, but I I don't think. Yeah, he's just anyway. Uh, it's interesting <laughs> though because I thought Lex and LB had played Numenera for some reason, and this game is Monty Cook game, and it has similar Numenera stuff. And they were like, "Oh, we've never played that." And I was like, "Oh, I should have started with that to like ease you into this." But okay, here we go. So. Yeah, it was PB. That remember PB? Yeah, I yeah. played. I started New Manera, and we played a New oh, Manera game with okay. PB Graybeard. Yeah, and one other person, and that was the start of the 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 very first one, I think. And yeah, they got to see that system. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd gotten LB in a campaign yet. Uh, up until then, no, we started with D and D, I think. So. So I tried to record the session, but it didn't work out. Uh, it was a lot of us just talking about. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was really casual. We didn't. Well, what's the what's the story you're going to try to do? What's the the location you're going to try to do? What are you trying to do as the? Are you called a dungeon master, Invisible Sun? What do they call you? Um, what are you called? I don't know. We'll call you a game master. I'm just not, not sure. Re- reference. I think I game remember. master is what they say in Numenera. Yeah, but I don't know if that's the same in Invisible Sun. But yeah. either way, he either has way, funny you're running the game. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, no the the game's going to be um kind of a, a simple mystery. Um, and I don't really want to talk about it too much because. A, I don't oh, know all of it, uh, but I have, there are some like hooks and leads that are in um, the book itself. Uh, and then kind of depending on the NPCs that we create together uh, is where the, it's going to go. But I'm going to try, I'm going to keep it at three sessions just so that we can finish it at some point. Uh, and then when that's done, the idea is that we transition into uh, what it, Lex is calling the rod of eight parts. And we're going to play that 5e campaign at some point. So we'll see. But the Rod of Eight Parts. It's, that's not the name of it. But the, I, they want to get the gang back together. And they're calling it uh, the Rod of Eight Parts. And I was like, well, it's, we'll, we'll workshop that name. It'll be fine. Um, and that's all I've all been right. doing. So I've been working on that, reading a lot of this stuff, this Numenera stuff, right next to my desk. So that oh, I wait can... a minute. I thought there was a game or not Numenera, Invisible Sun. in with DM Nathan. And I thought there was a game you were running. I, I want to run an Eberron game uh, with yeah, them. Yeah, that one. Uh, they need to finish their games. So they're still running a, and I'm not part of these, but like uh, Nathan oh, has a game yeah. that is his homebrew world called Nellaloom that he's been working on. And oh. they're they're at the end, but I don't know when they're going to finish it. Uh, 
I think they were talking about like, oh, it could it could be done tonight. And then Nathan's just like, maybe two more nights. Like, like you guys don't know all of the things and stuff. And then another one of those players is running a Star Wars game because they got really into Star Wars ever since the new shows came out. And he's like, oh, I want to yeah. try this Star Wars game. And so they've been playing Star Mandalorian Wars. and you could do Boba Fett stuff. You yeah. Could do like, just don't even do the. Well, the and I think they're just stuff, interested in just Star like... Wars in general. Like I know Nathan, yeah. that's his favorite like universe. And so they were like, he, anyway, so it's like, yeah, I want to run a Star Wars game. And Nathan's like, I'm in. And they, okay. <laughs> so they're they're playing that. And I don't know when that's going to end either. But whenever both of those end, uh, Eberron's going to step in. And, and that's the game. we had DM already. Nathan on the show? Yeah. Yeah, we had him on once. Did we? How long ago was that? I don't know. We should have him back. I want to talk to him about his, his campaign world. That'd be great. Yeah, it's cool. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Well... Busy show, busy news, busy yeah. stuff. What else you got? That's it. I gotta go yeah. pick up a toddler. So, <laughs> a little boy, little boy. He's, he's uh, wants to go to the park. Yeah, he'll, that's exactly what I want to do. I'll be like, <laughs> I have to edit a video. <laughs> um, super fun. Thank you guys for watching and hanging out with us this fine day. Lots to talk mm-hmm. about. Don't believe all of those uh, April Fool's lies, but boy, I think I want. I don't want to get us excited, but I feel like new like. A spell jammer is right around the corner. So. Spell jammer confirmed. We'll see. Uh, anything else before we take off, sir? Nope. Can't wait to see everybody uh, next week. So yeah, take watch. Us away. Hit the notification bell and subscribe because that's how you know things. Uh, I'll put some links in the show notes and uh, the podcast notes for those of you who listen on podcasts. Oh, you missed the other one that everybody always says. They say, oh, I did this. I looked at my numbers and it was 80, only 80% of the people that oh, yeah. smash that like button. my thing are actual subscribers. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, you guys are awesome. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning TV Show. Take care.